You're listening to Revolutionary Mystic, a subversive spirituality podcast where witches of color are disrupting, dismantling, and decolonizing mainstream spirituality with intersectional feminism, ancestral magic, and revolutionary thought. One unapologetic, real talk conversation at a time. Featuring your host, international psychic medium, hoodoo root worker, and astrologer, Megan Alexandria. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Revolutionary Mystic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Alexandria, and today I have the privilege and honor of chatting with our guest, Lauren Lavelle of Lauren Lavelle Fitness on Instagram. You may have, you know, already been following them already, or perhaps you're getting to meet them for your first time. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's last week was like kind of a intense week, I suppose. <laughs> but you know, I think I feel like they're all intense at this point. <laughs> right. They are all intense. This year has been a pretty intense year, like astrologically and like just the climate we're living in. It's quite a time to be alive for sure. But I feel like the air feels a little bit less thick today. So <laughs> today feels like a pretty good day. So I'm really, really, really excited to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your identities, your pronouns, and like, just let us know like what it is that you do for folks at home that are just meeting you? Yeah. So my name is Lauren. As you stated, I use she, her pronouns and I am mixed. So my mother is white and my father is black, but I identify as a black woman because that's what I present to the world. So that's just who I am. That's how I'm seen. And that's how I present myself and identify with the black community in that way. I am currently working as a body positive fitness instructor. And that just means that I work with all bodies, anybody who is looking to get movement in their life and maybe with a goal of just being a little bit more flexible or taking an hour of time for themselves. But we don't really focus on those traditional measurements of weight or looking a certain way. We really just work with, you know, embracing your body and your mental health and just taking time for yourself. And so I do that in the city of Philadelphia currently. And I do work with a couple of people online, but primarily I'm teaching classes and working one-on-one. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that you worked with people online, but that's that's interesting because I know, I mean, I do that. So I know that it <laughs> opens yeah, you up all? to like, you know, like the whole world of people are able to work with you if they so desire. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wanted to have that as an option because there's so many reasons. Number one, not everyone's in Philadelphia, apparently. Yeah. And and also just there's a certain comfort level of maybe you feel comfortable enough working out in your home or you're just really seeking someone who has my experience, which is I'm a bar instructor and a certified personal trainer, but you don't really have anywhere near you that you can go to work out. So getting a few things at home, even if that means a couple of water bottles that you fill up with water or sand or anything like that, you know, you can make it work. Yeah, that's really cool because it actually like opens up like more accessibility for folks too. 
Um, totally. And that's my, my ultimate goal is to just bring a lot more accessibility to the air quotes wellness world. Right. Right, 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 right. I saw another really awesome black feminist on the internet refer to it as the, what was it, the wealth and hellness in- industry? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in yeah. it. I'm part, I'm part of the problem, but hopefully part of the solution. Oh, I think you're part of the solution. And, you know, I think that like even my work gets lumped into that category too, like wellness, spiritual. Oh, yeah, totally. The spirit, the spiritual world for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. That's really awesome. So are your clients typically like, do you get to work with a lot of folks like us or is it pretty like, I don't know, well-rounded, diverse, like what's it like? It's currently not diverse and it's not really reflective of even where I'm living. Philadelphia is a very diverse city, but Mm -hmm. just because it's diverse doesn't mean it's super integrated and equitable. And I grew up in Southern California, so I grew up with a very different demographic than I'm working with here. But for the most part, my clients are female identifying and white. Mm -hmm. The age range is where I think that the shift is coming in, which is something that I also appreciate because I don't want to just be working with a certain age range. I don't want to work even certainly with like a particular gender, even though I'm around more female identifying people. So Mm -hmm. that's really who I'm exposed to. But yeah, unfortunately, at this point, I'm working with a lot of strictly just white heteroses people and that's kind of you know a symptom of teaching bar and teaching at boutique studios right right yeah that makes sense yeah Um, and I think it's really cool that you know just even knowing that you know folks like you folks like me like are out there were available for you know people like us that hopefully the more that you know, you're seeing other folks like us can be like, oh, well, hell, like, I actually do want to take that bar class. Absolutely. I've had people come to bar and say, like, I saw you on Instagram. And I wanted to try it. Now, I mean, bar is really not for everyone. My partner literally looked at me today and was like, I don't want to go to your class. Like it is, it bar is painful for me. <laughs> like, okay, I guess. Of course, bar isn't for everyone. Yoga is not for everyone kickboxing isn't for everyone. So it bars your workout, but I also want to make it accessible because maybe you don't know if bar is for you. You just have never felt welcomed in that environment. And so hopefully my presence is welcoming enough people into that environment. Hell yeah. I imagine so because I know like the instance I noticed that, you know, it's being hosted by somebody like you is the moment that I'm like, immediately like, okay, well, now I must do this. And also, yeah, I can do it. Like, yeah, it, it is, it is for me. And that's part of my reason for getting, you know, working in the bar world and doing that bar is B-A-R-R-E. But um, working with that, because I didn't see that. And I also thought like, well, wouldn't it be funny if this workout that's really reserved for long, lean, white women who have off in the middle of the day to do this workout. Like, wouldn't it be funny if I was the teacher of that class? Uh Like, if they came to my class? Because that would kind of disrupt. Yeah. That would disrupt that narrative completely, because that's just not who I am at all. Absolutely. And I love that, like, 
your entire like presence on the social media and like everything like that just feels really grounded in like like actual health and wellness and like love and you know self-love and things like that and I know that that's what's like really needed and yes it is absolutely disruptive of the dominant narrative and diet culture and all that stuff so I think it's brilliant and amazing to see you out there like representing and (laughs) like smashing that because like I love seeing your pictures like the first time I saw one of your pictures I was like I just felt like seen you know and I I think that that's part of why like representation is so important and matters so much because like for a lot of folks of color like those types of health or you know, self-care practices, they don't really seem like it's for us because it's mostly, you know, other type of folks leading the way in that way. But to see somebody like us over there, it's like, oh, like, no, we can do this and we can do it our way. It doesn't have to be, like you said, about lean, long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not, not, not all of that. That's not who I am. So I definitely bring that into my classes and I bring that, you know, I, I mean, even the people who do come to my classes who are white may not have this traditional workout body, which, you know, we can get into why some bodies are prioritized, but they feel more comfortable coming to my class because they realize like, I'm not judging them for that at all ever yeah Yeah, like one of the things that would make me feel comfortable is like number one what you just said like (laughs) like I'm not going to be judged and number two like I know there's not that implicit bias where white folks tend to do that thing to especially like black and brown women where they see us as like capable of bearing so much pain and so therefore expect a lot more out of us and like I've had instructors and whatnot like they just see you as the you know the strong brown woman or black woman trope and then they like push you really 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 hard and then or they look at your body and see that in their eyes like you've got such a long way to go or whatever so they push you really hard in that way but just knowing that like you could be in that space and just be for whatever reason you're there (laughs) yeah yeah like it's so I mean it's a it's a lot of fun it's sometimes it's difficult like you said because I'm navigating this space that feels like it's not necessarily well it's just not you know it's not made for me but I'm navigating that in hopes that that other people will come in and feel welcome because I'm there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah, the more they see you, I bet you, the more folks like us are going to show up because they know it's a safe space. So I want to ask you where your journey with, like, what does body positivity mean to you? I know that's a very, like, kind of buzzword on the totally. internet. <laughs> yes. uh, and I know that there are folks that, you know, that's part of their brand or whatever. And it isn't actually body positivity. They just think it's body positivity. And then there is like real body positivity. And I know that like what you're doing is real body positivity, but I would love to hear you speak on what it means to you. Yeah, it's actually really hard because I've gone back and forth. (laughs) If if you follow me on Instagram, my Instagram bio has gone back and forth between listing body positivity and not. And it's kind of along the same lines of some 
Black people not wanting to identify as feminist because there's a certain type of feminist that maybe does not include the Black female in that yeah. in that definition. Yeah. So body positivity, body positivity, especially on the internet, is the same way. It's hard to navigate if I really want to put myself in that box because I don't know if I want what comes in that box. Um, But fat acceptance and and body positivity have roots in politics and body politics and the fact that everyone has a right to be and that fat people are human beings. Like, oh my gosh, wow, (laughs) what a, what a concept that people can have fat bodies and not be discriminated against for them. And I think that the body positivity of 2019 is internet-wise very clearly dominated by white women. Mm-hmm. And in a problematic way, there are a lot of body positive warriors out there, <laughs> internet yeah. warriors, of course, knocking other people for their attempts to, uh, you know, engage in intentional weight loss, which would be not on the body positive side of things. But it's hard to, it's hard for someone who has an already acceptable body to understand why someone who doesn't would want to do something in line with like the culture, like diet culture says, you know, thin or fit is better than fat. And if you're a fat black woman, you may think, oh, if I lose more weight, my body is more acceptable. But your body is constantly policed no matter what size you are as a black woman. Like, yeah. It's just hard to wrap your head around that when you're not in, in that. It's hard to be in it and think that there's any other way. So either way you go. But body positivity to me and for my clients is that we're coming in, we're saying neutral or nice things about ourselves. You don't even have to say nice things, neutral things about your body. Like there is something about my body. Here it is. I'm presenting it. You know about it. And moving your body in a way that feels good for your person because not everybody's body moves the same and that's okay. Like I teach class for everybody who comes. So if something that I teach you doesn't feel right, please do it the way that you want to. And then as far as like my Instagram and moving forward, I, I try to talk about my journey through dieting and through exercising for the intention of weight loss and then how I started moving away from that. And, and really the reason that I, I started moving away from that was because I asked myself, is being thin going to protect me right. from anything, from having health issues? No, not necessarily. Is it going to protect me from my body being perceived a certain way, like politically out in the street or whatever. No, it's not like none of that will help me. So why am I spending so much time and energy trying to make myself more acceptable, but I'm never going to be (laughs) like, I'm just not going to be acceptable. So let's just do me and try to be happy and try to be my version of healthy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) I think that, you know, one of the things, because I see like a parallel between the work that you do in the field that you do and the work that I do in the field that I do, where it's like, I understand why there's a lot of black women that don't want to identify as body positive because that narrative um, is owned by a lot of like white feminists 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, the word feminist was something that I've struggled with and gone back and forth with, you know, like, because I know, like, feminism is most often actually white feminism. And to be, like, intersectional, you have to say, like, intersectional feminism or call it womanism Mm -hmm. uh, or even specifically say black feminism, which, you know, like, if I have the time and the in the amount of characters uh, allotted to me on Instagram, I will like delineate that for sure. But I understand like feeling like, you know, feminism isn't necessarily uh, implying that it's for everybody and that, you know, body positivity kind of does that in the much the same way. And I think that the biggest reason for that is folks like the you know the thin privileged white skinned folks out there like may or may not have realized yet that like you were saying that like our body politics are absolutely rooted in racism and like fat phobia is it is a construct of white supremacy and absolutely yeah, yeah. um have you read uh fearing the black body yet I haven't. I have like a, so I have a library list so long, so I'll just throw, I'll, I'll, I'll move that to the top, but yeah, <laughs> I have not read it yet. It's on my list too. And I'm actually nervous about reading it uh, just because like, you know, like any other, any other, like, I don't know, I guess femme body perceived person and person of color out there like I have a lot of like trauma around you know what the the policing of our bodies and I'm like I you know I know it's going to be informational and uh, revelational probably to an extent but probably a lot of it's going to feel like lived experiences like oh yeah like yes like everything that anybody has ever said about our bodies is directly rooted in their racism you know yeah totally yeah, from the way we're, like, judged for, you know, the curve or whatever, our thickness, like, all that stuff. Um, so I think that's really fucking cool. And, you know, I love, like, fat body positivity and seeing all of that out there. I just feel like, I don't know, that is revolutionary, I suppose. Um, yeah, I just also, I think it's important for me to say that I do wear straight sizes, so I am not a super fat person. I'm not an infinite fat person. I am, pr- I pretty much can go into any store and find pants that fit me, find a top that fits me. So I do have a lot of body privilege in that way. I also am able bodied. So I do not have anything really like standing in the way of me walking into any studio and being able to work out there. So I do carry a lot of privileges within this black body. And I, I realized that. And I also realized that I do have people coming into my classes that may not have all those. Everybody has privileges and everybody has other things, right? Like things that, that could potentially get in the way of them pursuing a class with me or pursuing training with me. And so I wanted to make it clear that I definitely am not living in a super fat body that is highly judged in that way. But yeah. I, do, I do have the in my opinion, privilege of working with people who are in in super fat bodies and fat bodies because I get to have a variety of people in my classes and that makes me really happy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, how fucking, I can't imagine how fucking boring it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, everybody, 
in general, in any job, if everybody coming through the doors is a little bit of the same thing over and over. And we also have people coming from different backgrounds and people coming from just having a child, which really changes the body and changes your relationship with your body. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think like the more like folks like you and I are just like upfront about like, this is absolutely a safe space for, you know, marginalized folks of all types that like, eventually, like, we'll have like everybody (laughs) alongside with us. Because I remember in the beginning parts of my career, I was like, immediately annoyed with like, I was like, you know, like, I did not become a fucking, you know, person of color psychic professionally so I could serve just white people like yeah you know what I mean I'm like I don't need to serve Gwyneth Paltrow over and over and over and over and over again like in different iterations of that archetype I don't need to do that and I think that through our visibility or at least it's worked that way with me like just being very upfront about like hey (laughs) this is you know my very unique intersection of diversity that I live in and you know that this is an open space for everybody starts to welcome other folks in. so yeah I I mean I actually I was talking to someone recently about my hairdresser who she colors dyes curly hair and yeah which is an actual skill not everyone can do the hair that I have and make sure it doesn't fall out but she features primarily the brilliantly colored rainbow curls on her Instagram. And she's like, that's not my bread and butter. My bread and butter is straight hair, like balayages and ombres. But I put out on my Instagram who I want to come to me. I'm telling people this is my ability to do the hair that I want to do. Because if people see it, they'll be like, oh, like me, I looked her up and actually went to DC from Philadelphia to get my hair done by her just and I've also flown to from LA to Vegas to get my hair done by her which sounds so bougie and it was but (laughs) I found someone that I loved and trusted and that's that's her brand and that's who she is and that's what I know she's capable of and it makes a big difference when someone is actually catering to someone like yourself. Hell yeah. And (laughs) I like for folks listening at home, like that is a real thing. There is a reason why I don't get my hair cut very often. A lot of times it's, you know, for financial reasons, because it's also not cheap to cut our hair. Definitely not, not cheap, not cheap. (laughs) Definitely not cheap. Like my husband is always like, I went and got my hair cut at great clips or whatever. And it was only 25 bucks. And I'm like, shut up, (laughs) you know, because he's like white and like basically like balding and he just goes and gets. Well, you, you already know. Absolutely. Same. And I can do you one better because my husband is currently in our bathroom shaving his head. Awesome. Which is now what my husband does. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, so like not just anybody can do our hair and that's a thing. Like, (laughs) I can't just go to like somebody I know that does hair. It's like you have to do curl specifically and you need to be like a texture friendly person. Like I need to know that you have lots of experience working with women of color's hair. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, it's really similar throughout all, you know, from hair to 
the spiritual world to the fitness world, it's all similar. You kind of want someone who can be more experienced in working with someone like you. I mean, when you go to the, when you, when you go to the dentist, like you often look up what you're looking for from a dentist or if you're going to the doctor. So you, you don't just go in blindly to a lot of situations. And I think that that's why you know, being present and trying to put out there the clientele that we're looking to serve is super important because we want people to know we're here. Yeah, it really is. And I think you're dead on in the way that um, I see it very similarly that if you don't actively seek either, you know, a fitness instructor like yourself or a spiritual reader like myself, like if you don't actively seek one that is very obviously disrupting certain narratives, then what you're going to get by default is the default dominant narrative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be very harmful, especially if you're a marginalized person. And if you're not a marginalized person, you, (laughs) I mean, you're using your privilege and resources to uphold something that is harming other folks, you know? So it's like, I tell people like all the time, like not just any spiritual worker, like find you somebody who you know, because you can look at their profile and see that they are actively doing their, you know, anti-racism work and work around like, I don't know, financial equity, like all of the good stuff. You yeah, should, for sure. You should be able to see that shit. Cause like, do you really want, you know, spiritual advice or fitness advice from somebody who's like, you know, very much so still living in a bubble of white supremacy and like patriarchy? Like, do you want that person like helping you with your body? Probably not, you know? Yeah. And I mean, again, addressing like the amount of privileges I have, like both me and my partner have degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, He has an advanced degree and we did have a lot of student loan debt and we did have a, a large financial burden in that way, but we both were able to get jobs and pay pay that (laughs) and that took a lot of that took a lot of sacrifice I it's it's a whole other podcast (laughs) Um, but you know that kind of allows me the privilege of being this fitness fairy like going back and forth between several jobs through throughout the day because if I didn't have the financial security of having a partner who has a job and not having a huge amount of bills and debt hanging over my head like I I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing and I wouldn't be able to seek to help the community that I'm trying to help at this point yeah and I think that's like a brilliant thing that you're bringing up about privilege actually because we we talk about privilege pretty often on this show and like privilege isn't inherently a bad thing actually it's what we choose to do with it that determines, you know, whether it's beneficial or harmful for folks. And you're using, you're spending your privilege in a way that is creating positive change, you know, instead of using it to like uphold things that are really harmful. Cause you could, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm just trying to, and I think that that's, you know, I'm trying to get into this, this space and trying to establish myself and then working with people who I actually really love like I work with people who I really really enjoy and who are willing to have conversations like this and who are willing to you know know why I charge the prices that I charge mm-hmm. going forward because I want to be able to charge some people less like if they can't afford it I want them to still be able to have access I don't want to make myself an unaccessible 
person to work with and to be around. Yeah. And that is revolutionary. Like actually like that. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, It really is. Um, You know, there's a similar thing that happens in, in my business too. And it's like having your prices at a certain point where you can offer folks like either free or sliding scale or whatever scholarships, like, like whatever that is. And, you know, I know I'm like, hey, white allies at home, folks with, you know, significant financial privilege, like know that some of us are doing this. And that's why, I mean, not only are we worth what we're charging, (laughs) but we're also trying to uh, redistribute resources and power in a way that creates, you know, more equity for those who, you know, need a leg up, so to speak. So I think that's, that's awesome. I want to know, Lauren, like, where did your journey with body positivity or fat positivity or just, you know, like, general, like, black woman wellness, like, where did that begin for you? Like, because there's got to be like a turning point where it was like, you know, I'm sure at some point, like, all the indoctrinated wealth and hellness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, hit like it, a breaking point for you, and you're like, you know what? No. <laughs> I think it's so to 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 rewind a bit. I definitely struggled with an eating disorder from probably age 18 till like an eating disorder. I feel like is something that's really hard to determine when yeah. that stopped because you eat every single day, presumably, but. Until until recently, I would say maybe three years ago when I was 24. So from 18 to about 24, I was either actively, I would actively qualify myself as someone who had an eating disorder or I was participating in disordered eating, meaning I was doing things that for the intention of eating certain foods or vilifying certain foods because I wanted to lose weight. And I also wanted to pursue health and the pursuit of health I mean, we can get into, but some people will literally never be healthy Mm. and they've done nothing to bring that upon themselves. Some people are not as healthy as other people and that doesn't mean that they deserve any less. But I think that it's great. I was finishing up college. I, I was a constant transfer. I transferred to I transferred twice. So I went to community college. I went to a private university for a year and ran out of money. I, and by ran out of money, I mean, I did not want to take out another $45,000 loan that just, you know, it wasn't even my money at that point, but I knew that I was taking on this huge financial burden. Yeah. And so I had a little bit of money. I worked and I transferred to another university that I was able to get considered for in-state tuition. And it was not, you know, the private university situation. So it was much more affordable, still not affordable. But at this time I was carrying the financial burden of saying that I was going to go to school. I went to school for environmental studies with a focus in like geographic information systems, mapping, community work. So I've always been interested in working with communities and and the environmental burden that falls on certain communities versus others. And I was getting out of school, applying for jobs, and this and that and this and that. And I just thought, I can't keep pursuing this weight loss. I can't keep pursuing this 
ideal body. I have this, this degree that I'm coming out with. I need to pursue like a work endeavor. I need to find out where, you know, I can apply my skills and this. And it just felt like it was just draining the life out of me. It was because I wasn't eating properly to power my body. But also it just was like consuming so much time. And I thought, okay, I'm going to put this down while I look for a job. Yeah. And so I guess it's been a few more years than that. I still, you know, it was back and forth walking the line of like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to pick up dieting again or like when this season rolls around. And then finally, I just got super tired of going back to that. And that's when I said, I realized that no matter how thin I got, it wasn't going to make me a better person. Right. Um, I was still going to be who I was. So spending that time and energy working on who I was as a person rather than how I looked as a person seemed like a more worthwhile use of my time and energy. And I kind of just never picked it up again. And I haven't and I still struggle with that because I do have, you know, some health issues that could be potentially mitigated by changing the way I eat, but there's no really hard, super hard evidence for that. And also it's a dangerous thing for me to dive back into yep. vilifying certain things, you know, yeah. so it's not something that I feel is currently calling on me. And so I wanted to stay away from that. And I also wanted to bring people out to the other side of that because then, you know, especially female body people, like women, like in general, women, the entire umbrella of women, I, I like, you spend so much time consumed with aesthetics because that's what the culture that we're living in has given us. Mm -hmm. And once you're out on the other side of that, you're like, what do I do with all this time? Like, should I go to the library? Yeah. (laughs) You know, should I, what should I do? Learn how to knit? Like (laughs) there's so much to be done on the other side when you're not worrying about um, what you're going to eat or if you're going to earn what you eat or all of that. So it's a a big element of freedom and space and like your time when you give up on that. And that's something that I never want to give up again. Yeah, that's so real too. Like just that amount of time, like all that time that folks spend like just tripping over (laughs) and I get it and I get it like trust me I've been there right and there's a difference I mean I'm I'm I definitely in vain (laughs) like I think we all can have like moments of extreme vanity you know and like if I if like I'm insecure about something I could fixate on it and that's I think super human for the culture that we live in but it's a very different feeling than being trapped in a cycle that is really dictating everything you do. Everything, everything, and just constantly making you feel like shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If that occupies so much energy and, like, of your time, like you're saying, and it's like, imagine what you could fill that time and energy up with, you know? Like, and I think for a lot of folks, you know, I see a lot of folks that are like, hey, like, what's my block? Like, there, I really want to get from where I am now to, like, where I want to be. You know, I just want to see if there's, like, any blocks. And I always, you know, will do an assessment with folks around, you know, where they're spending their energy. Because where you pay your attention, like, that's where you're spending your energy, right? And it's like, uh-huh. so 
if your energy is very focused on this, you know, behavior that is, you know, kind of self-deprecating or not nourishing or not like loving or um, et cetera, et cetera, then it's, you're utilizing your very precious resources, you know, in a way that's not necessarily serving you. So it's going to take you a lot longer to do any of the other things because it's, this other thing is occupying all your time and energy. And it's like, once you start to like, let that go, you know, you might find you have more room for like, I don't know, reading books. (laughs) Yeah. Like really anything. Like it's just crazy how much, and, and also, not all time needs to be occupied. And that's the other yeah. thing. It just gives you free time that you can just live your life and be and maybe go outside and go for a walk without thinking about how many steps you're taking or you know, just, just engaging in your life in a, in a moment to moment kind of way. Hell yeah. I think about all the time in terms of like, yes, like the steps thing for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That really does not mean anything for anyone out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I think about that all the time. Like, okay. So I'm like, imagine like, remember in the nineties when we didn't have things like Fitbits and we didn't have things like smartphones. Do you remember? Like there were times when we were just bored or there's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think about boredom a lot because I I really do think about boredom a lot. I'm like, oh, well maybe I should just take some of the stimulation away. Like, yeah. Or like we had like these, you know, spaces of time to like breathe or like, you know, find something skillful to do with our time or like, you know, heaven forbid, like be creative or (laughs) like actually be present with yourself or present with the people around you. I mean, like how many times in 2019 do all of us find ourselves in a room full of people that are looking at their phones? Absolutely. Myself included. I know. I'm sure my husband is listening to this right now and he's like, Megan literally does this all the time. Um, This is you. (laughs) This is me. And I, you know, and I am, I am totally guilty of it. It's it's an addiction, just like, you know, uh, diet culture is an addiction, like all of that stuff. It's good to be conscious of, so that way you can make a conscious decision. Like, is this something I am consenting to right now? Or has it, like, become a default in my programming? And is that default, you know, eating away at my spirit or eating away at my, my health? Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, attached to the phone, attached to, attached to the fitness world, we, a lot of people are indoors all day sitting yep. at a desk and then they order food from their phone. You know, they're able to do that and they eat that and then they leave their desk and they go to maybe one of these fitness places, you know, like the big, the big gyms or the big fitness studios that have these quick turnaround 50 minute classes with the blasting music and the super hype teacher. And you just for 50 minutes are able to zone out and do that. But that comes with a high, high cost And those places are extremely cost prohibitive and extremely, you know, not everything. That's, you, you'd be better off to be happier and take a, take a short walk 
you know, from your desk job to go get your food and count that as your movement of the day rather than going to this class that someone's standing there yelling at you for 50 minutes and then you leave and you feel like you've accomplished something, you know? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So, and I do, I mean, I, I enjoy like getting crazy and getting hype in class and I also enjoy going to those classes occasionally, but that's just, I also have the, the ability to step back and say, you know, I'm going to that class because I want to, not because I feel like I have an obligation to get a certain amount of movement in per day and eat a certain amount of this and a certain amount of that. Yeah, right. You got to get your hour of cardio in a day or whatever it is. Oh my gosh, that would be a horrible life for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's real. And that's something that I learned the hard way. So uh, I have multiple chronic illnesses, like I have multiple autoimmune diseases. And when I was beginning to try to do what I could to be as healthy as I possibly can in in my body in the way it is now because I used to be able to do a lot more stuff with my body like I, I was I went to dance school and I could do a lot of movement like all day long um, wow that is yes <laughs> that sounds so intense it was intense and I'm not I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna say like dance is necessarily good for your body either my teacher used to say that all the time like I didn't say this was good for your body right. <laughs> But it, but it is an art form. And I loved it for, you know, the period of time that I did it. But, you know, as I got older and got my diagnoses and my body changed, I tried all these different things out, you know, which I, I do think is a good thing to do to try and feel into, you know, what your body might need, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we change. And one of the things that I tried was high intensity workouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's just because I'm an Aries and kind of like you, Lauren, how you have a bunch of Sagittarius in your chart. I have a bunch of Aries and fire in my chart. Oh yeah. We love a good like yelling boot campy style yes. thing. I, I'm, I'm currently in the works of like meeting with an MMA instructor. <laughs> like, no, oh. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in a Muay Thai competition, but like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, sounds fun. It does sound fun, you know, and like I, yes, yes, <laughs> total like fitness mat- masochist is like, that's my jam. Right. Um, and it ended up being like, because I went and I was like, I'm going to go every day, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. got to get my hour of, you know, this specific and they're like a corporate hit class place, whatever, which you're absolutely right, is completely cost prohibitive. It was way more than I could afford. So I was like harming myself financially. And what I ended up learning is my body has changed and it cannot do stuff like that. I was causing myself more inflammation, which mm-hmm. is like and stress. Tons yeah. of stress. And tons of stress. And that's like the two things like autoimmune disease does not need like (laughs) at the most, you know? And so it was like a huge blow to the ego because I had been able to do all these really intense things all my life. And I held a lot of pride in that, but ultimately I was like, okay, like my body has changed and I need to figure out what it can do. And, you know, that looks different every day. And most days it's just walking my dogs. Yeah. You know, And it's something that like also I think people get caught up in the idea that it has to be something every day and it totally doesn't. And, and me with this body that would probably traditionally be labeled as healthy, you know, there are things that I can't do 
on certain days, even as a teacher, I'm like, okay, some people can put their leg up on the bar. It's not happening for me right now because my hips are not that flexible right now. And that's the reality of when you work out or when you have a movement practice, or even when you don't, things change every single day. And I think it's about respecting, respecting your body's boundaries when it tells you no. Yeah. And like being present for yourself and also having, because it's like, it's counter colonial thinking if you think about it to like really like pause and like just even check in with your body. Like, how is my body feeling today? Like, instead of just like, oh, okay, like the iCalendar app on my phone says that I'm supposed to go on a five mile run with my friend today, like, no, like check in. Right. And I like feel really awful, but it's too late to cancel. So, right. <laughs> totally. Totally. Like, I just think that that's one way we could disrupt all these narratives that are being fed to us is by like checking in with your intuition, checking in with your body, like, Hey, what do I need today? You know? And just like knowing what your ego sounds like and also knowing what, knowing what the dominant narrative sounds like your internalized dominant narrative sounds like inside of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's like the whole entire like no pain, no gain situation going through most people's head. I feel like it's going through most people's head all the time, which is as a professional, I have to constantly be like, you know, you can, can put your heels down, you can get back into it, you can, I do teach a hit class, I do teach a hit class, and I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, I have to remind people that if taking a plank is painful for you, rest your knees down. If resting your knees down in the plank is uncomfortable, push back into child pose and chill, like do whatever you want. There's other, there's other movements that you can fill this 30 seconds with, like 30 seconds of something else isn't going to be the determinant of your, your worth and your grade in my class. Like just walk away feeling like you came to a space where People were doing doing something. We did some things, like, and then definitely. leave. Definitely. Well, and, like, I imagine your class doesn't have the thing where you're, like, wearing the bracelet or the armband or whatever. That oh, No, I even get a little bit nervous myself when someone's wearing one because it's just the nature of working out. Number one, the nature of that technology is extremely flawed. Like, let's not even pretend these are accurately counting for every single person. They're yeah. not. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can reach up and check your pulse and see if yeah. you if it's going fast or slow. But the the nature of a technology that's counting that for you is likely to not be spot on, and you shouldn't really judge yourself or your day based on what those are saying but no none of my classes have trackers like that the only thing we track is time and I'm usually doing all of that some of this this one studio I work at has mirrors the other one doesn't and I think that there's something to be said about that as well yeah but because a lot of people think well oh how do I know if I'm doing it right if I don't look in the mirror but the second you look in the mirror, if you're feeling some type of way, you're going to start really feeling some type of way, right? You're going to be like, oh, my my shirt is riding up. So I have to stop in the middle of this arm workout to put my weights down, to pull my shirt down. And then maybe I'll like fix it on the side or should I tuck it in on the side or is someone seeing it behind me? Is it disrupting the person behind me? They don't care. They are really like, they are doing their arm workout too. And they're probably thinking about their shirt as well. So 
just let you know my, i i i still am guilty of it but i'm the teacher but like you know today i went to class and my armpits are super hairy and i'm like is someone gonna judge me for being a bad teacher because i didn't shave my armpits like Ugh. i i hope not and if they do i probably don't want them in my class yeah absolutely like no policing our bodies period yeah exactly it, and you know i think we're often our own worst enemies when it comes to that okay i've definitely been in a fitness class and dance class. I've done it in both fitness and dance classes where whatever was happening internally because of the mirror, you know, whatever was happening for me that day internally became so harmful, so self-harming, so abusive that I like got up and like left and like, you know, left crying, you know, from class or whatever, whatever it was, because like we just get we're so trained by the dominant narrative to pick ourselves apart and to forever and ever and ever be not enough that it's really easy to learn that behavior and you know essentially turn that mirror on ourselves and you know that that stuff hurts what you're doing is absolutely i love there's that wonderful picture of you on instagram uh, i have to tell you and <laughs> i'm like which one <laughs> i think it's the one where you're like sitting on your knees and you are just like in your underwear and like a oh, shirt, yeah. I think. Oh, it's a little, yeah, like a little boudoir shoot. Yeah. I love that photo. I just, when I saw it, like I, it's kind of like doing it for me right now. I'm like, I feel like my eyes are getting a little bit watery. Like I just was like, I felt so much like love for you for like, just like, like, thank God this is in my feed right now. Oh um, my gosh. You know, wow. I, you know, like there are never bodies that look anywhere like my body. You know, when I see myself at, at the end of the day and I've, you know, taken off my pants and I'm walking around and I sit down, I'm like, oh, like, and to just see you like, in all of your, you know, in all of like your self-love and like comfort and confidence. I was like, I, I was like, I just love her. Like, this is great. And immediately, as soon as I thought, you know, I just love her and I love her for doing this. I got this immediate sense of like, then I can do that for myself too. If I can do that, if I can feel this way towards Lauren and, and sitting there in her undies, you know, being, you know, curvy and beautiful the way you are. It's like, then I can do that for my damn self. And so a lot of times, like when I'm standing in front of the mirror, I'm like, you know what? Like, yes, this is, this is my body today. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and we are that girl. And, you know, I am that girl too in that picture. And I hope that so many folks get to see many, many pictures of you and, you know, maybe feel some type of healing way about it. But that picture was very, very healing to see. I even, I even sent it to my mom. I was like, mom, you have to follow. Because <laughs> um, it also reminds me of my mom's body. And I know my mom appreciated it too, because she and I have spent so many years of our life trying to change the shape, the curve, the size, the weight, the whatever. And more or less, what it ends up amounting to is like, kind of like, like, like whitewashing our bodies and neither of us do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so now that we've given that up, it's like now we get to fill up all of that space where we were doing that with all of this love for folks like you and folks like us.
Thank you. I, I, it's also worth stating that Kimberly Jackson took that picture and she is a black boudoir photographer in Ooh. Philadelphia. So it's definitely worth giving her a shout out because I feel like she's also doing great work and I love her dearly. Hell yeah. And like shout out to like black boudoir photographers and, you know, black fitness instructors, fucking like black tarot readers, like all of us, like what you just said is so important. Like the fact that it's a black woman photographer taking your picture makes one hell of a difference. And I will tell you, like, I'm like, sorry, not sorry for the rest of the world, but like, I will probably never have another non-POC do my photo shoots ever again, because there's completely a difference, a complete difference. And it's just because there is that lack of bias and there's like this quality of love on the other side of the lens and the way that you are seen that just feels so much better. And it definitely reads in that photograph. Thank you. I really, I, I do love those photos. And I think it's funny because, you know, my partner is a middle school teacher. So I do occasionally have the uh, middle schooler and high schooler find me on Instagram. And I think sometimes like, you know, should I be posting a picture in my underwear? Should I be posting a picture in a sports bra? Because the off chance that a middle schooler sees it, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, they're finding me on Instagram. They can find so much worse on Instagram. Let me just show them. Oh yeah. Like, let me show them a little diversity because otherwise, yeah. (laughs) Also, it's like, it's the human body and like our culture just needs to get the fuck over that. Like, yeah, definitely. But it's just so funny because I feel like often I'm like, oh man, like, middle school boys but am I is yeah. my photo the worst thing a middle school boy could find on the internet not Definitely even not like a split second like not at all so. definitely not and I you know I don't have kids but I'm like <laughs> if that is the worst thing I'm like good your your son needs to see that like that's this is women, you know, like this is, this is us in like everyday day to day. This is the majority of us, you know? I think it's, it's cool to have all types of folks to like be interacting with on my network because also, you know, there are people who have never felt comfortable in their bodies and working with photographers and working with fitness instructors and working with tarot readers and working with whoever, hairdressers, who respect the individuality of everyone's body and respect people's pronouns and respect people's boundaries. It seems like it really shouldn't be that difficult, but like you said, it's pretty revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm like, that could be an entire podcast done into itself. And like, I use the word revolutionary because it is, but you know, I think about it all the time. Like, is what we are saying or doing really that radical? Is it really that revolutionary? Like, it shouldn't be, but in today's climate, hell yeah, it is. You know, it's a very low bar. Yeah, (laughs) the the bar is very, very low. (laughs) So we get to show up and, you know, welcome people and respect folks. (laughs) Yeah, respect people and just be really crazy different like it's so different that we would just respect people for having the body that they showed up in wow whoa crazy (laughs) right oh my god but you know 
it is it is really wonderful though for you to be taking up that space i love it and i hope to see more and more of that like just in the health and wellness you know industry or mainstream or the narrative etc yeah i'm hoping to do more of it i'm hoping to be in it for a good amount of time whether i'm doing it in the capacity that i'm doing now or something a little bit different i hope to be working with helping people find some kind of wellness and balance for a good amount of time. That's so freaking cool. And I love knowing that, like, like earlier you mentioned about being more and more accessible. Like that's super important because like losing some of my physical ability over a very short period of time has been very jarring for somebody like at my age. And it's really cool to know that you know, maybe there is somebody, because I've basically given up on folks in my area. I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah. Everybody is, every time I work with somebody different, they're like, oh yeah, like my sister has whatever, whatever it is, like MS or rheumatoid arthritis or whatever. And they're like, and they totally take my Pilates class. And then like, I'm like, no, but I, yeah, it's not working. So like, but to have that just even knowing that you have a consciousness around like folks need to adapt and like their teachers need to adapt with people. Yeah. It's really crazy because even moves like certain moves look different on everybody's body. And I try to really bring that to both studio and participants. I recently got to go to an event with decolonizing fitness, totally worth following and, and getting involved with, but Ilya presented that, you know, all bodies are so different that a squat on my body is going to look different than a squat on your body is going to look different than a squat on someone else's body and judging it and saying it's wrong like really if it's not hurting someone it's probably not wrong for them like oh your toes have to face at this exact angle like no they don't someone made up those arbitrary rules but Right. Really, is it hurting you? And are you able to engage your muscles? And are you able to move freely in that? Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's how you squat. That's how it looks. Yep. No, that <laughs> makes that makes total sense. You know, and like paying attention to your body and not everybody else's body, like brings you back into your body, and you'll be better able to honor your body from that place. Oh, absolutely. And I can't like I try not to touch people. I, I never touch people without consent in my classes or in my private training. Thank you. I try, yeah, I try not to ask even for that consent. I try to do cues and all of that that doesn't require me to put my hands near or on your body. Yeah. One, because you don't know how someone feels about being touched. And also, you know, in the middle of a class, in the middle of a move is not always the time to get that answer yeah Um, and then also because if I do it for you how will you learn how to do it for yourself like how will you know you're there if I constantly do it for you right because you need to build that neural pathway you got to connect like synapses I I know that from dance (laughs) yeah and it's like getting over the fact that like okay I, I can tell you how to do a plank. I can cue you over and over again. And everyone's plank in class is going to look different. And that's okay. So long as like, you know, your shoulders aren't bothering you. Your wrists aren't bothering you. You're keeping this certain amount of engagement that your lower back isn't bothering you. Then I don't really care about anything else. Can you get there without me having to, you know, adjust your shoulders, adjust your hips? Cool. That's what I want. 
Like, yeah. And you know what else is really genius about that, Lauren, is that, and I don't even know if you intend it this way, but I will tell you, like, like I'm a, sur- I'm a survivor and specifically of like domestic violence. And so I have complex PTSD and in classes when folks ask, like, can I touch you? Yes, I appreciate you asking, but I would prefer it not even be a thing because mm-hmm. we're not often in a space, like you said, especially in the middle of class, like there's like social pressure, you know, or we're like distracted or our guards down or like whatever it is. And oftentimes folks with a history of abuse will just say yes. And they don't Do not really- mean it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then that's, that's trauma reinforcing too. So that approach that you're taking is actually like really trauma informed. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And I know that, you know, a lot of folks will feel a lot safer in your space because of that. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I really, I I definitely think about that. And I'm constantly, you know, I had a meeting recently with some people about an incident at a studio because multiple times I've, I've been touched without my consent. And, you know, just like, how are we going to deal with, how are we going to change the culture within the studio? Because my goodness, like all of Philadelphia and the whole, whole wide world is a big thing to bite off. So let's just start with the studio. And how do we change that culture where I can wear my hair down And not have to dodge hands and smile at someone, you know, as they stick their fingers in my hair because, you know, my body is up for, is up for touch. Like it's a petting zoo, apparently. No, I am so sorry. I I mean, it's, it's, it's very real. And I realize that that's, you know, I'm definitely not the only person experiencing that. And I don't want anyone else at my studio to have to experience that. So how do we, yeah. How how do we reinforce that? That's not, I'm like, just, I like build it into the, the culture of the studio and make it a rule. Like, yeah. And it, and, and definitely is. And that's the thing. I think it's just this, like you, like I was saying, and when I know, when I know a person who comes to my class, I feel more comfortable than asking them in the middle of the move. So I would, you would never come to my class, have it be your first class and have me ask if I could adjust you. That would never, ever happen. I probably wouldn't even like non-physically cue you separate from the rest of the class because I would just let you get into it and do your own thing. But I think it's the idea that people think that they know me enough that they could put their hands on me. Yeah. Um, even if it's just, you know, because I, because I'm my friendly self and you know, I'm there doing my job. Like, of course, I'm not going to just be sitting there completely stone faced, but. Yeah. And folks feel entitled to women and femme presenting people's bodies and they feel enti- entitled to black bodies too. And oh, like, yeah. it's a, it's a, the perfect storm of being a, I, I say all the time, like black girl light, because and yeah. like very easy, it's easy, you know, yeah. it's an easy transition for people. And I think that they forget that they, for, they just forget, <laughs> like yeah. they, they forget. They forget or they don't have to think about, and I'm going to kind of like drive this point home for folks at home. Like 
<laughs> don't touch our hair. And actually, I'm going to tell you, probably don't even ask us to touch our hair. I used to have uh, really long locks, like all the way down past my butt for many years. And I know that folks are really fascinated by locks and folks that wear locks. But I used to have people like, when I wasn't even facing them. Oh my God, would, yeah. Yeah, like come up behind me in line at the grocery store and start like grabbing for my locks. And like, I don't have locks anymore, so that doesn't happen anymore. But now they do it for my, like the tattoos on my arms because they want to see it better. And I'm like, I don't understand why you need to grab my arm. And little do they know, like I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, do not touch me. Uh, yeah, but, and like, also just like you're a stranger like please don't touch me yeah ever at all yeah I'm like hey friends at home all of us like consent is never implied never implied and if you feel like you even want to ask to touch a black or brown woman's hair I need you to like take a step back and think about why it is you want to do that and where that's coming from because I can pretty much guarantee you it's coming from somewhere not pretty not cute <laughs> yeah and also just like we're grown like it, it is weird as shit that you would even have the inclination <gasps> to touch another grown-up that you are not in a relationship with or like yeah. not you not you know any sort of relationship with and I it's 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 always and it's an it's always white women. I'm not even going to say yeah. it's almost always. It's always white women who are touching my hair. And I actually was recently at a party where a white male came up and said, your hair is so beautiful. And I was like, cool, you know, waiting for, waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is it weird if I ask to touch it? And I said, yes. I was like, it is weird. Thank you for asking if that was weird. Like, and not just touching it, but it's weird, dude. Like, yeah, that's weird. It's weird that you have the inclination, like the the, the desire to touch a stranger's hair yeah. or a stranger's body. You know, it's like when people are pregnant and people have the desire to touch their bellies. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I mean. No, you wouldn't walk up to you know, somebody who has like a hook for a hand or whatever and be like, is it weird if I ask if I can touch your hook? Like you wouldn't do that because you know better, you know, it's just yeah, like, and you know, it's weird. And you know, if you're, and I think that's why most of the time these people who are touching my hair don't ask me because they already do know it's weird and they know that I will say no. So they think, Oh, well, uh, forgiveness, not permission, you know, so. totally. which is, I'm like, that's abusive folks. Like don't do that. And like, the, the discussion around black women's hair, that's not a new thing. Like we've been talking, this has been like a mainstream topic for quite some time, at least 10 years. So I'm like, so y'all should know like already that our hair is, you, you've made it into a battleground and like back off of our sacred space, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I just, I, I still can't fathom why people want to do that. And also we've, we've had a discussion before, but I mean, people can't see us through this discussion, but both of us have partners with big old beards. Yep. And I think especially because they are white, mm-hmm. um, it's really been in my case, a situation of learning 
somewhat, just like a little bit of what that experience might be like, because people are constantly trying to touch my partner's face and touch his beard. And <laughs> he's like, oh, like, yeah. So if they're not trying to touch one of us, they're literally trying to touch the other. We're like, okay, let's, it's just like a, a walking circus, apparently. <laughs> like yeah. a, a petting zoo when people are around us, like either their hands are trying to go onto and my hair yeah my hair is on my head and it's huge my hair is very far off my head most of the time but his beard is on his face and like the idea of someone putting their hand directly like on someone's cheek just yeah it's it's crazy and it's like think about it like like touching near the head and especially the face like that's a really intimate gesture (laughs) yeah like don't touch people's faces so I think that my experience both with those kind of like body things and then you know just my body politics in general carry over into my class and the way that I conduct myself in class and private training because even in private training I still do ask for consent to touch and adjust like if someone is ready or someone is not ready to do that and they're coming to me specifically to work one-on-one so (laughs) it's still like you said it's always necessary to ask yeah it is I'm like maybe there should even be you know when you have to like fill out your little form before you get into one of those classes maybe there should be a box we can check off of like you know like maybe not specifically divulging but just like uh does not want to be touched or you know would prefer not to be touched or asked like yeah and we have so we have consent cards and some some studios are doing that where you can take a little coaster and because the because of the class that I teach, I don't have these because I am not doing I'm not touching people. So I but like in yoga classes and Pilates classes and classes that they're really trying to like get deeper into your core and deeper into these poses, we have consent cards that people can say, you know, not today or I'm good to be adjusted. Either way. And they flip them as a coaster and then the teacher knows that they could go up and probably still, in my opinion, I would still ask because you don't know if something has changed during class, but yeah. it kind of gives a little clue as to where where to go. Or like maybe you have like a little consent pebble. I've yeah. been to classes where it's like a little like a little little stone that you put at the top of your yoga mat and that means that you're open to being adjusted that day that's really cool I'm like can I carry around a coaster (laughs) that says don't touch me ever (laughs) yeah I see I see those and it's like they're you know it's on the internet like uh funny but with those with like service animals where it's like do not touch me or like whatever and I'm like do I need to wear that yeah human like please don't touch me and and the sad part is that I feel like I often see people ask before they touch animals and they don't ask before they touch me. And that really blows my mind. Yeah. I will. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It's funny. My husband and I, we joke about the same thing because I have, I have an emotional support animal and I have a service animal and my service animal has a vest that has that, you know, do not, do not look at, do not, whatever I'm working, don't touch me. And we always joke about like, maybe I should wear that vest the next time we go into the grocery store because he and I are both very much so like that. But the thing is like the sad truth is folks still ask. Folks still come up to us. They will come up to me and they will immediately go up to my dog Freya and put out a hand and then they will be like, oh, can I pet 
like as they're reaching for and I'm like, yo, like there's a very big sign on my dog that says like, ignore her. She's working, you know? So, you know, and it's always, you know, sorry, not sorry. It's always white folks, you know, and it's just because of the entitlement to space and other people and beings and everything. But yeah. And I think touch is like, touch is really important you know it doesn't just get to be one of the senses just because but um like touch is so important that repeated bad touch or you know Mm -hmm. repeated experiences where people are not asking for consent just even when they are a microaggression like this really add up and so a lot of times when I am around black women or curly haired women even they don't even have to be black I I do encourage them to like run their fingers through my hair because like I want to have that experience with other people who know my life and know you know know my struggle in that thing because it's not that I don't want to be touched I don't want to be pet like an animal and I don't want to be touched without permission like not barring all physical touch and you know adjustment in that I'm I'm saying you know ask for consent and and also yeah don't even ask for consent to touch my hair just don't like (laughs) but I'm saying you know when it comes to people really making connections in community it really is important to have black women that I touch touch my hair like you know is this healthy right like can right. you tell if my hair is healthy like can yeah. you can I and and like tell me if I need to get my ends cut it sounds so silly but like just having that confirmation and that touch from someone who knows what my hair is supposed to feel like and I have experienced people touching my hair and like scrunching their nose and my hair has been called nappy which I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think nappy is a bad word but it's also just extremely inaccurate when it comes to the texture of my hair so it's like you're using something you're bringing a negative connotation to it and also you're like you don't even know what you're saying yeah so I think it's it's you know we can all also bring it back to bodies and spirituality like you're using you're taking a word that means something and you're using it in a completely incorrect way and that's like pretty violent yeah, it is pretty violent. And I think I want to emphasize, especially because I'm I'm going to ask you for some calls to action, but one that just kind of came up is for, you know, the Black women, especially listening to the show and, you know, also other people of color too, is like how healing it is, like you were saying, to have good experiences of touch and intimacy or, you know, safety with with each other and to create opportunities for you to have that it reminds me of the it wasn't a very long period of time because I ended up having to change doctors but there was a period of time where I was able to find a black woman uh, gynecologist and I loved her Mm -hmm. Uh, she was hilarious and you know she felt like she could have been like my cousin or something And I just felt very safe and going in for your annual appointment or whatever wasn't traumatic because I felt like I was in good hands and it, you know, mended that relationship with like, oh, I hate having to go. I mean, I still, it's still not my favorite thing, but, you know, knowing I was going to go and see her, it was like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal because I trust this person. And um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I identify with that as well because finding a doctor or finding 
finding a health professional for whatever you're seeking, including fitness, can be daunting if yeah. you feel like every experience is not going to be positive or you've had, you know, it's just been repeatedly negative and that causes people to really stray away, like stay away from getting the healthcare that they need. Even if they do have the financial means to get it, maybe they don't do it because they're afraid of the judgment or they're afraid of, you know, whatever situation they'll be put in with a person especially a doctor or like I said, a fitness professional who feels like they may have some sort of power yeah. in that situation. And cause I know that myself, I, I have a hard time making appointments for myself and taking care of myself in that way. And that's one of the barriers to health on top of everything else is once we get here and once we have, we have the insurance, we have the money, we have the time, we have this, we have that. And then we're like, Oh, but you know, is yeah. my experience going to be, are they going to believe me? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Are they going to believe me? Are they going to give me viable options that they would give to someone who maybe weighed less or someone who, you know, was white or someone who, you know, are they going to give me the same options or do I have a limited option? Is my option like, oh, well, if you lose weight, then, you know, this broken finger will heal itself. Like, yep. Some bullshit like that. Like, yep. okay, cool. It is always some bullshit like that. My husband and I, and there was an actual experience where my husband went in for, and he had a very bad backache. Like I, we're not minimizing that, but he like went in for that. And they were like, they basically were like, well, what kind of, what kind of drug do you want for this? <laughs> you know, like you right. tell right. us what you want. Um, Whereas like I literally live with chronic pain and sometimes it's so bad as like it feels like emergency room bad. And when when I have had to go in for times like that, because I'm like, hey, none of my strategies are working and I feel like I'm dying. Like, what can you do? I've literally been like, they're like, oh, well, you could try like 800. I could prescribe you 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And I'm just like, why aren't they offering me like something, you know, and, it, and it's a total bias, right? And mm -hmm. I have like no medical history of like drug use or anything like that. Like they have no fucking excuse, but that's a really real thing. So it is important for us as much as, much as we can, as often as possible to seek safety within each other, you know, not that it guarantees us safety, but it definitely gives us some better likelihood of having a more positive experience. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, you know, I've been very fortunate to have many, many positive experiences that with, with all types of people that power me <laughs> forward, where I realized that, you know, a lot of suspicion and a lot of pain and a lot of isolation can come from not having the experiences that I've had. So I, I get to use those positive moments, you know, to move other people forward, hopefully. And I just, I do know that I wake up every day having had a lot more positive experiences than some people have in their entire lives. So yeah. I think I get to use a little bit of that, you know, sad fire energy and all, all the, all the uh, good vibes <laughs> that I have just like in my good vibe jar yeah. uh, that, you know, I can call on, but some people really never, yeah, um, never get to fill that cup or that jar or that tank or whatever you want to call it. They never, they never get that. And so they can't really, they're, they're running on E and yeah. it's really hard to get out of that cycle. It is. And, you know, before we start wrapping things up, I wanted to, that brought me up 
brought up something that I've been wanting to mention. You know, the climate that we are living in right now is not easy. And as of late has been particularly difficult. A lot of the other Black women in particular that I've been recording episodes with in the last couple weeks have all been having a hard time, myself included. And one thing that came up was um, that I just want folks at home that are listening, like, yes, even though it's trite to say like, yeah, check on your strong friend, especially. Also check on your black friends, especially. And I'm going to like one more up from that, like offer them help and be like, is there something I can do to make anything easier, whether it's at home, at work, like whatever, doing that type of thing, having that kind of support and that like solidarity, even if it's as simple as like, hey, like, can I like come over and wash your dishes for you? Like, like some, something like that, anything really can be really beneficial when things are feeling really heavy and the world feels, you know, like a very heavy place. Just knowing that we have folks to get through all the things that we get to navigate through <laughs> together is can be very, very, very beneficial. So, and maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's one of those things I'm like, hey, you could also offer, you know, I know this Jennifer or Dr. Jennifer Mullen, like, would you like to see a black therapist or would you like to take a fitness with Lauren Level? Like Lavelle, you can, you know, anything like that and like offer them like, hey, can I offer you some type of way to take care of yourself in this tumultuous time would be, you know, beneficial for us too, because let me tell you, we're tired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've been, I've been having a lot of that, like that fatigue. And so I I definitely have been taking more time to rebound from things, you know, social interactions, social interactions, or I'm an, I'm an introvert. So that, you know, I, I get to do what I love. So some of that falls away and I get the energy to do that, but just really handling a lot of that stuff can I take takes a lot to get me back to back to my ability to go back outside so today I taught a class this morning and then you know I'm doing this we're having a conversation I did some target stuff we're in between cooking and then I get to go teach another class but that downtime in between is really crucial for me to be able to teach in the way that I want and I also think that a lot of people are coming in and moving their bodies and engaging in movement that they like in a time where like things do feel out of control because for 45 minutes you get to just have me cue you into these moves and you get into these moves with your body or not or you know you're just in a space where people are just kind of doing that and it's it's very safe from the outside you know you're not on your phone you're not this you're not that the music is playing and you're just doing your own thing for 45 minutes or an hour and it's really I've seen I've definitely seen people turning to that as something as a positive outlet just for 45 minutes you know yeah, it's therapeutic. Yeah, and it's de- fitness does not replace therapy. Please do not misconstrue <laughs> what I'm saying. No, but I think as part of a holistic approach, you know, doing something that you love, whether that's walking or, like I said, knitting. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm weird, so I do find like we don't have a dishwasher, so I do find nighttime dishwashing to be kind of therapeutic. Oh my um, God, that's my roommate too. That's so funny. 
just like a good 11 p.m. dishwashing time, you know? (laughs) I get it, though. If you think about it, like, symbolically, like, cleansing things with water, with your hands, like... Yeah, going to sleep knowing that the kitchen is clean because then I'm going to wake up in the morning and just destroy it with my breakfast routine. But going to sleep knowing that it's clean and ready to get used the next day or maybe even, like, you know, at midnight when I decide to cook another meal. That's, like, the best feeling. It is. I agree, like, waking up in the morning and I don't already have a mess to <laughs> to clean is maybe the best way to start right. the Right, and those, self, those little, that's, that's, in my opinion, like, real self-care and real, you know, self-care a lot of times, again, is on the internet, like, you're getting a facial or you're doing a face mask or you're getting, you know, your nails done or you're, it's, it's very... I'm going to buy something. I'm going to do something fancy. And that's cool. Like I definitely want to buy fancy things and do fancy things, but also self-care is realizing like I should probably do something about these dishes while I have the energy because then I will feel better. Yep. I will feel better being in my home. Exactly. (laughs) I should do something about this now while, while the time, while I have the time. Exactly. So Lauren, where can, can you tell us where people can find you, your work and how they can best support you, whether that's like through social media, a website, or perhaps maybe if they learned something from you and they'd like to tip you in addition to what you're going to be paid for being on the show. If you want to throw down your cash app or Venmo or et cetera, where are some ways that folks can find you, support you and, you know, show you love. Yeah. Oh, great. So you already mentioned my Instagram, my Instagram. I do like Instagram as a platform. I feel like it's pretty powerful, but also I've been shadow banned several times for using things like body love and fat positivity as my hashtags and I think it's um, in combination with you know maybe it's because I'm wearing uh, a bathing suit or I'm in a sports bra like the you know they're they're getting pretty ridiculous but I am still active on Instagram Um, so my Instagram is Lauren Lavelle Fitness and then my website which is a baby website that I'm trying to have a done not perfect type attitude towards. So my website that is done and running, if you find any typos, please email me. Um, But it's also laurenlavellefitness.com. And then, you know, my Venmo, if anyone wants to Venmo me is L-A and then my last name Lavelle at L-E-A-V-E-L-L. So that's my Venmo, L-A-L-E-A-V-E-L-L. I know it's a lot of the same letters over and over. Um, (laughs) That's, my whole name is a lot of the same letters. And so those are the main places. But if someone wants to have a conversation, Instagram is like a great place to start. Most of my audience on Instagram is overwhelmingly female identifying people. So like, you know, my content is hitting the people that I am most commonly working with, which is, it's pretty aligned. I think that's great. So I do not get a lot of creepy messages, which means I am checking messages from people who maybe I don't follow or I haven't connected with yet. So if you message me and it takes me a couple of days, I will eventually get to that inbox. Because like I said, I've, I've somehow managed to avoid really creepy inboxing yeah. for the most part. I, I feel lucky. But so I do like to have conversations with people in my network all the time and feel free to reach out for any questions. Awesome. I love it. 
Well, thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast, Lauren. This has been really awesome and like healing and I feel very good in my body right now and also slightly hungry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hungry and I'm so grateful for you asking me to be on here. Like it's really fun to connect with people across the United States, you know, in my home, in my home state, but also just in general connecting with different people and, and raising awareness about the things that we're doing, the good things. Invite me back on season two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. And I know that folks are just going to love you, love you, love you. And I hope that they follow you. All of the information that you just shared with us as like where to find you, how to support you, et cetera, and so forth will also be posted up on my website, on Patreon, anywhere where you're listening to this blog, you should be able to find a link that tells you all about where you can find Lauren and how to support her work. So thank you so much for being here with me and thank you everybody for listening. And please don't forget to give us a good podcast review. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us that five-star rating and Google play too, if they have that option. And of course, if you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends. And until next time, mystics, I send you so much love and power and revolution. Talk to you later. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Revolutionary Mystic Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please consider supporting it on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash revolutionary mystic. All of our guests are paid as part of a movement to hashtag actually support witches of color by creating financial equity. You can also check out the online Hoodoo Botanica, book psychic readings, take online classes, apply for the scholarship program for witches of color, join the free Facebook group, and watch Witch Tips on my YouTube channel by visiting revolutionarymystic.com.